Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, and entrepreneurship to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Today's guest on the podcast is Tom Finn, CEO and co-founder of Leg Up, a professional coaching and preventative mental health platform. And Leg Up integrates world-class coaches and therapists, proprietary science-backed assessments, and ROI dashboards into one easy-to-use platform. And before forming Leg Up, Tom was a VP and general manager of Aetna and regional managing director of Anthem Blue Cross. So he's got a deep sales and people management background that guided him into create the data-driven personalized SaaS platform behind Leg Up. We're going to get into all that in a little bit. Now, the mission is proving that a healthier workforce equates to a healthier and more profitable business. So let's dig into it and how Tom and the good people at Leg Up help drive that success. Tom Finn, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Adam, thanks for having me. Great to be with you. And we're good on that intro, right? There was Everything's up to date. We're not reinventing your past. We're not changing any of the facts here. It was gorgeous. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. So let's let's bring my tribe up to speed here. And, and you know, I always like to talk about, you know, how folks got to where um, they are today. And you've had a pretty heavy sales background, um, you know, in your early days, places like the Hartford and Anthem. I'm just curious because I, I know my background, like even, I mean, listen, we're not going back to your elementary school paperboy route, but like you always kind of feel that like the sales was, was, your, was your path in life. When did that really kind of click in? Well, actually, it, uh, it didn't happen until I was in college. Um, at first, I, I wanted to be an international corporate attorney. I hmm. thought mergers and acquisitions was going to be my bag. And so from <laughs> about 12 to about 20, if you had, if you had run into me, I would have told you I was going to be uh, you know, wearing a, a suit every day and, and be an attorney. And then I went and, and did an internship, a couple of internships in London. I actually worked for the Royal Courts of Justice. and. Cool. Uh, uh, for a few weeks and uh, worked for uh, an international law firm uh, right in London. And I learned about this thing called billable hours, Adam. What? Billable what is hours. this thing called billable hours? And <laughs> it, you know, as a 20 year old, I thought, my goodness gracious. So you work your eight hours during the day, but if you don't bill, you just keep working later into the night until you mm -hmm. get to your bright billable hours. And at that point, um, I decided maybe this wasn't for me and uh, started to think about alternatives uh, that maybe I could I could get into. Interesting. So let's, you know, I, we talk a lot about the value of internships here. Tom, t t tell us, tell me, tell my audience something that you learned during your time of an in, in the internships that you hated and you're like, you know what, when I get out in that professional world, I never want to do this again. Well, I think in the in the court system, uh, what I was really looking for is, do I want to be a, a court, a practicing court attorney? Do I want to be in the courtroom? And I just found it to be very stale and regimented. Um, 
uh, very staged and and that's intentional there's a lot of work that goes into uh, the homework before you ever walk into a courtroom uh, weeks course. and weeks for before a trial months and months depending on the trial and and it just didn't sit well with me I didn't feel comfortable hmm. in the space in the moment and I just self-recognized that maybe this wasn't the right path so that was sort of item one when I learned about Bill Blowers uh, it, you know it got me a little uncomfortable I, I sort of said gosh I, this is really how you bill people this is how it works and uh, there was a lot of paperwork it was an M&A firm um, they were actually looking at the uh, merger of the Coca-Cola bottlers from Eastern and Western Europe. Super interesting deal. Uh, right. But what I learned was it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of contract reading. It's mm -hmm. line after line, paragraph after paragraph. And that just didn't fit my personality style. Yeah, it definitely has to work that way. My, my wife is in commercial. She's a commercial real estate attorney. So this that's her world. And, and, and I know it pretty well. So what was what was the first sales gig? When was it? When was it like, ah, let me dip my toes into the selling world well it's um it was probably working at a bar uh you know that was fun i mean that that was in college i had worked at a bar called maloney's there in uh, beautiful tucson arizona um for you wildcats out there bear down uh <laughs> and uh, we you know we ran the bar there was a group of us that that uh, uh successfully ran the bar and you were always connecting meeting people um bringing people in upselling upselling up, up, you know <laughs> cross, occasionally cross -selling, upselling. upselling don't you need a shot with that beer the old cross sell upsell occasionally upselling yeah from the one two to combo college town yeah so maybe maybe that was the first time i i really got that sense for um and maybe selling is the wrong word but just enjoying being around people and enjoying mm -hmm. uh the energy of others and trying to find solutions uh for them Interesting. You talk about solution selling and, you know, that's a good transition into, you know, your time at Hartford and Anthem. What, what did that time teach you about, you know, people and human behavior and how that translates to being a successful salesperson? Well, look, nobody goes to college and says, I want to get into insurance. Uh, it's, just, it's just I don't think anybody. Same, the same thing with recruiting, man. I don't think anybody's like, oh, well, when I grow up, I want to be a recruiter. Yeah, it doesn't happen. You don't uh, you don't aspire to get into the insurance business, but it's a it's a very large um, business that's sort of untapped for a lot of people, uh, and it's really interesting space. Uh, if you if you dig sort of financials, you dig long term debt, you dig um, you know providing products and services that support people in their lives, and so right. Hartford was mostly focused on what we call ancillary business, um, which is uh, you know life and disability products for for big companies. Um, Anthem is more a medical focused company, right? So they, they provide medical services, um, uh, Anthem, Blue Cross, they have the Blue Cross Blue Shield seal. But I think what I, what I learned the most was that you, in that particular ecosystem, you work through a network of brokers and consultants that have clients and your job in, in those roles is to build relationships with individuals and the brokers. And ultimately you gain access to their clients, but you don't do that unless you are incredibly competent in your product, incredibly yeah, knowledgeable expert, about the competition, and you are trustworthy. Uh, and and if you don't have all three, you're not going to be successful. You've got to be competent in your product. You've got to know your competition, and you've got to be trustworthy. And and trustworthy is as simple as doing what you say you're going to do. It can be that simple. If you say you're going to call them tomorrow, Confidence. you you better call them tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's a tremendous point too. Because people ask it all the time, like, how do you build trustworthiness? And it starts with doing the little things and saying what you do, mean what you say, and stick to your word. 
That's right. And you know, I don't know what's so hard for people, but I mean, you're a tremendous success there. I believe you took uh, you know, your time at Aetna from five to 60 million in five years. What do you think was a key success of that growth? I came in to Aetna and, and you can come into any job um, with a specific entry point. And I always look at entry point for jobs that I'm taking. So let me just pause on that for a second. Please, so let's dig into that. If you're, if you're looking for a new role and you're thinking about um, how you can be successful and, and leverage up your career, look at the entry point. So for example, um, let's just use sports. The entry point uh, to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers starting quarterback next year uh, it's going to be a little rough following arguably the greatest football player who's ever played the game, Tom it's a Brady. Big shoes to fill, right? Big shoes to fill. Yep. You're not going to come in yep. there and be better than Tom Brady. You're just not going to do it. And so that's a tough entry point uh, to walk into and, and be successful and find success because you're always going to be compared to the last guy that was there. So it's the that's same in business. Um, what is your entry point? Are you walking into a team that really is struggling? Um, and you can turn that team around, build new culture, build new product, whatever it might be, um, to help turn the organization around. That those are the jobs I always liked personally. I liked you were under underdog. You like that little underdog story there? I'm the, the underdog comeback. guy, right? I I uh, I don't want you to believe in me. I want you to know that I'm going to turn this thing around, and uh, I'm going to bring in really great people, and we're going to figure out how to do it together as a team. And so that's what I did at Aetna. I, I think the the entry point was that they were struggling. Um, it was an underperforming team. Uh, they were very talented as a group. They just needed some direction and some support. Didn't and have the leadership. A little leadership. And and we uh, we ended up uh, not only creating new jobs, um, but finding people promotions within the organization. People got promoted Huge. off of my team. People got promoted to run other parts of the mm -hmm. company. And I think that's, that's where you sort of sit back and say that was a success the company says you took it from 5 million to 60 million and isn't that great in five years the way i look at it is all of those folks are now thriving in more in higher positions either at that company or at a competitor and that's a success for me yeah that's huge but we talk we, so we talk about the successes here talk about maybe some early missteps as you've developed you know in your journey developing into a leader you know, maybe it was something that you thought was the right way to do something. Maybe it was, you know, a right way to approach a relationship. But, you know, as we, we like to do on the show, we like to share the lessons and the lessons come from failures. Uh, I, I got a whole laundry list of these, but I'll start with, I'll start with <laughs> the do part two. <laughs> I'll start with the one that's uh, probably the easiest to digest. So I thought that business was about results in large companies. Business is about results. As long as I pour on the results I'm going to be rewarded. And that's not actually the case in large organizations. It's not about results. A lot of it in certain organizations can be about politics. Mm -hmm. And so if you are not tuned in to the relationships that others have with each other, to the behind doors conversations, to the, um, to the brand that you are exuding within your organization. And sometimes you think you're doing a great job from a branding perspective, but Maybe you're not. So I'll give you my example. Yeah. So my Please. example's a simple one. So I'm, I come in, I, I, uh, we hit a couple of big um, sales. Uh, we, we bring in some really talented people. And, it, you know, I thought this was all great news. You know, I was shouting from the roof, rooftops. Aren't these great, talented people that we're bringing into the organization? And, and it sort of got transposed as, you know, he's got a bit of an ego. And uh, shouldn't he sort of be a little quieter? 
uh, about huh. the success of the team. And and that was the politics that I missed. I didn't see that on the train. Yeah, but how does someone balance? You know, th there's there's chest thumping versus being proud, being humble, and being proud of your accomplishments. You know, that fine line between humble bragging and 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 confident. Like, how how do you balance that line in the workplace? You know, because there, there's good. Not all ego is bad, right? Ego drives a lot of success, but there's a there's a fine line there, and I think a lot of younger folks and senior folks too have a trouble with that. I'll be honest with you, Adam. I I thought it was generational. Um, I think the the younger generations um, understand that you've got to do a little bit of uh, uh, work around promoting your team so that they can get seen in the right light. Mm -hmm. um, I think there there's a generation that's that's sort of exiting the workforce today that at times um, that's that's not the way they were raised. Uh, that's not the business um, that they grew up in. They grew up in a space where uh, you were really told to kind of keep your mouth shut and your head down. And just and just keep working, and uh, so I think you've got a clash of just generations in the workspace, uh, and and sometimes a little self promotion can 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 turn off uh, leaders um, at certain levels. That's interesting. So let, let's talk about where the the kernels, the thought kernels were for for leg up. And correct me if I'm wrong. You had some success during your time at Aetna, you know, opening insurance for smaller companies. Is this where you saw the initial opportunity? Well, where, where, where were those uh, early seeds planted? Yeah, you know, what I realized at Aetna, and, and this goes in the sort of in the bucket of what, what are the mistakes that you've made, is that I just didn't see a job that I wanted. And I started looking around thinking, gosh, I'm, I'm running the Western region. There's no job I want here. There's no other gig that I want to do. And I'm watching these, these fabulous leaders, um, wonderful executives uh, in, in many ways, um, and they're, they're not happy. Uh, now they weren't happy. Right? Tons of stock options, uh, tons of travel. Uh, never see their families, constantly on a stage. Um, it just didn't look like the life that I wanted. So I said, all right, hold on. I've got I've got this great team. I've got this great opportunity. Why don't I go back to grad school and figure out what I want to be when I grow up? So I took the opportunity. Wait, wait, pause there for a second. Pause for a second. Why do you think grad school was the answer? You know, for me, I felt like I'd was been there in something the missing. Yeah, I felt like I'd been in the insurance business. Well, I had. I'd been in the insurance business since I got out of college. And at this time, I'm sitting around 34 years old. And I'm thinking, gosh, what if I just went to grad school to figure out what else is out there? Maybe mm -hmm. that would give me some better perspective than, than the vertical that I'm sitting in today. Because all I could really consider at that point was some other job in the insurance business. Uh, and that didn't really appeal to me. So what I did was I, I went back to grad school. I went to uh, USC and um, got my MBA and, uh, and started putting the, the, sort of seeds in the ground to start my own company. At grad school, I met my co-founder for Leg Up, uh, Victor Belaine, um, and he's very different than I am, but we have the same core values. We have the same uh, heart and ethics, and he was somebody that had a very different skill set than me, and, and Leg Up was really born from the fact that we wanted to find a way to get support for everybody in their career uh, so that if you are struggling, if you are having a rough year, uh, if you can't figure out how to get sales going or whatever it might be, that you can find an executive coach that was at one point unaffordable and uh, not right. not scalable. Out of reach. Yeah. I want to I want to I want to double back on something and and talk a little bit about the process of finding a co-founder and the need for it because some people don't need it. 
right? So let's talk about, you know, were you always, was it just organic when you met him or was it intentional? You know, did you was, need a co-founder to complement those pieces that you don't have? At the time, I thought that I didn't need a co-founder. At the time, I thought, why don't I just do this on my own? If you, if you look at my track record, I did everything on my own, right? right? I mean, that's the way I felt when I looked in the mirror. I can do this on my own. Um, mm -hmm. what, I, what I actually realized in talking with Victor specifically was that the balance of two people um, with different skill sets, that is the key. Two salespeople should never start a company. Um, no. Two uh, engineers should never start a company. Two marketing people. You get my point. The point is right. you need completely d different skill sets. And it's okay. Makes sense. If yeah, and if, if your personalities are different, that's great. Um, but you do need the one string that ties you together. And to me, that's core value. So so a core value is that trust, it's that honesty, it's candid conversations, it. open dialogue. You've got to be able to be yourself around your co-founder. And uh, in the tough moments, the really, really tough moments where you're about to go out of business and you're sitting there eye to eye with your co-founder saying, we got, we got 60 days left. Right. 60 bucks in 60 days. How do we, how do we, how do we, is this, is this ship worth saving, right? Are we going to, we're going to burn all the boats here. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger show. Want a new podcast to look forward to each and every week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content. Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in their rotation. So there's a big chance you're not only listening to the podcast and that's totally cool. In fact, I'd love to share a podcast to add to your list that's one of my personal favorites and is actually an inspiration to me as a host. The Jordan Harbinger Show is a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. Jordan dives deep into the minds of fascinating people from athletes, authors, and scientists to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. His episodes on travels to North Korea are not to miss in some of my personal favorites. He has an undeniable talent for getting his guests to share never-heard-before stories and thought-provoking insights. Without fail, he pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode. And if you like the podcast, you're going to love The Jordan Harbinger Show, point blank. Jordan is smart, funny, and easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversations, a few laughs, and actionable advice that could directly improve your life. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, that's H-A-R-B as in boy, I, and as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. So were you, when, when you were in grad school, were you still working full-time? Yeah, working full-time. Yep. Got it. So what was that decision point, and, and kind of walk us through that mindset of saying, you know what, I'm going to go all in here, I'm going to leave the corporate world behind me, Maybe for now, maybe forever, maybe just for a little bit and, and, and do this thing and go all in and double down. Yeah. So at the time, um, I was, uh, I was going through a divorce. I had, uh, had full custody of a two-year-old little boy and I was a single dad and I, I was looking at my little boy and I was thinking, am I going to tell him not to follow his dreams? Should I, am I just going to stay at a big insurance company and be miserable for the next 20 years and then really look at my son and say, you know, daddy didn't have the guts to do it, but, but you should. And I made that conscious decision. I said, look, there's never a good time to start a company. And, and I, I truly believe in that there is never a good time. And mine probably was the worst. Uh, you know, I've got a two year old. I left cold Turkey from, uh, Aetna. I had, uh, I remortgaged my house, Adam. 
So I took, you know, cash out of my house, put it in my bank account, uh, sold all my Aetna stock. Jeez. And, uh, and then said, okay, I've got, well, I got about a year and a half ish. Uh, let's see if I can figure this thing out. And my worst case scenario, you got to plan for, for the failure, right? You, you got to be thinking, how do I plan ahead if this thing doesn't work? My worst case scenario is probably got to make about 20 phone calls and go back into the insurance business. Right. I say the same thing all the time. I go, if this, if this gig fails, I'm a damn good recruiter. Someone's going to hire me in two seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I want to, I want to go back for a second here. And I mean, how old is your son now? He is uh, eight. And I, I have a nine, nine and a half year old daughter, a three and a half year old son. My, my daughter, my, my company is named after her. And it's is NHP. These are her initials right here. And when she was old enough, the company's five, so she was six. It really sunk in when she was about seven, and she she realized what this was and what daddy was doing. Do you remember that moment with your son recently? Right when like does he does he have a good understanding of what you did and why? And at the time, I don't know that we've we've sat down and had it's the hard. conversation about you know. The, the depth of, of what I was thinking, but he knows mm, daddy course. has uh, a company and, and daddy goes to work and uh, you know, he's clued into to mm. leg up and, and the brand and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, and someday uh, we'll sit down and talk about the why uh, when he's ready. But how cool, how cool is that? And listen, I'm not sitting here shitting on people that work nine to fives and for companies, but for me, and, and I'd love to see, I, I think and assume that you feel the same. I mean, this is kind of like my legacy where, you know, my kids X amount of years down the road, they're going to look at daddy's career in life and see, listen, my dad built something. He took a chance. He challenged himself. He took a risk. And hopefully looking back on it, you know, something like you really successful. And that to me just, you know, I, I think about it all the time. Yeah, I, I think as a parent, uh, it's not something that goes out of your mind. You're You're starting to think about I mean, kids make you do it. I mean, you, you look at those beautiful little faces and, uh, mm -hmm. and you just think, how do I make their life better? How do I, how do I make their situation better than my situation was? And this can be different for everybody, what that means. Mm -hmm. uh, and for, for me, it was find, find something to leave a legacy, find a brand that can lift people up. And that's really what we're about is empowering others and lifting people up. And to me, I can stand behind that. I, I believe in it. I stand behind it, and uh, and it means a lot to me. I, I love it. So so obviously, you know, the, the focus of, of of leg up is well being of employees. But let's break it down. Give me give me give me the quick pitch. What the heck is leg up, and and why did you guys find this? Yeah. So leg up is designed to be a productivity, well being, and retention solution for HR professionals um, to purchase for their employees. We provide uh, executive coaches in a network. And we connect people through assessments and learning style and coach matching to the best coaches in the world that can help you with your career. And it really started in a very simple way. I was working in an insurance company during the wellness revolution uh, mm -hmm. in the sort of 2010s. And everybody was coming up with these physical wellness apps and let's let's do biometric screenings and let's track this, track let's that. Let's track yep. this and track that. And and really what it led to was not a whole lot of movement in human behavior or changes in people's uh, you know, BMI, for example. What, what I realized was the stress of our lives is typically caused by our job, right? We, we work by ourselves. We may have a good manager. We may not, but you don't really have anybody to talk to. And at some point, your spouse, your partner, 
your parents, they even your buddies, your, your best they girlfriend, anymore. They, they can't help you, right? I've got right. some amazing, amazing friends in law and sports and academia um, and business. They're fabulous for having a beer and sitting down and cracking some jokes and, and, and right. talking about life. But when it comes to my personal career and the, and the day-to-day struggles, I really need a professional. And that comes in the form uh, of, a, of a coach, a business coach, and a personal coach that can help you. Let's pause on that for a moment. I've had a few other folks on the show and within my network that offer similar services in this area too. And I think another part that's not really spoken about enough is there's not only there's not usually not someone to confide in within a company. There's that fear factor. Am I going to go to HR? Am I going to talk to someone in HR about my about my 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 career concerns? And then am I they're raising a red flag and they're going to knock me out? Right? Like yep. you don't have that third party. You know, someone who is completely you know outside of 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 your world that you could just have confidence with. That's that, a huge part of it. That's right. The privacy piece that you're talking about is exactly. probably the most important. And you've got to be able 100%. to have a trusted advisor that is private, that you can talk about anything. And and that, that one thing is usually challenges that are going on in work that you don't want to talk relationships, about. Relationships, right? You have with your boss, yeah, and the communication issue. Or, or people reporting to you, right? Like, hey, listen, my team's not responding to me. I don't want to go to my boss telling my team's not responding to me. He's going to think I suck. You know, you can't do that. Exactly. And so the one missing piece in, in the career trajectory for many is really building that career map, understanding where you want to go, understanding who you want to do it with, and then having somebody to, to walk you through it. And I thought, you know, when I, was at, when I was at Anthem, I asked for a coach. I raised my hand and I said, look, I'm struggling. I was leading a big team. I was 28 years old. I was way over my skis, right. way over my skis. And I, said, I, need, your I need a coach. And they said, you know, it's about 30 grand. And yeah. it's not in the budget. And best Sorry, of luck Tom. to you. Yeah, best of luck. <laughs> Sorry, figure it out. And then, and then I went to Aetna and I, I said the same thing. Hey, I could really use a coach. And they said, you know, you're close enough to the CEO. Uh, we can do something for you for, you know, four months or five months. Little did I know that it was $2,000 per call with this individual, which is, wow. yeah. which is highway robbery, quite frankly. Um, and so I thought, I'm not the only guy sitting here wondering how to be more successful, how to lower my burnout risk, how to... Uh, be a better leader, how to be a better communicator. I'm not the only person thinking about this, mm. but nobody has access to this network of professional coaches and we've got to figure out a way to bring the price down. So that's that's really right. where it started. Make it more attainable. And it's interesting too, I'm, I want to get your thoughts on this because I talk about this with a lot of of, of established leaders. I, I truly believe that not everyone is meant to be a leader or should be a leader. I think some people are individual contributors and I think in a lot of organizations, the only way to go up is to be a leader and have teams underneath you. And I think a lot of people face that challenge because some people by nature of their personalities, introverts, extroverts, some people just want to contribute. What are some of the observations you've seen and how do you coach around that? There's a, there's a lot of different ways you can go in your career. And I think each person has to figure out how to be happy with what they want to do. I mean, that's really the key. You got to be happy. Life's too short. Um, I, I always say, when, when you're looking around the organization, you got to point the thumb. You're accountable mm-hmm. for your own actions. Um, you're accountable for uh, your career and figuring out what you want to do. But you're right. Not everybody's ready to be in leadership. Leadership isn't easy. Uh, no. it's, not, it's not always pleasant. It's not always fun. Um, think about leaders that have Tough to go decisions. through. Tough yeah, decisions. Think about leaders that have to go through layoffs. 
right? Peloton, um, just in the news yep. this week as we're as we're taping. 2,800 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, laying, laying folks off. And they were the darling uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago uh, of the market. And now they're laying folks off. You know how hard those decisions are? I've, I've been a part of them. They're, they are not fun. And you know no. you're impacting people's lives. It's not easy. So not everybody uh, wants or needs to be in those roles. And business is not set up to have uh, an army full of leaders and nobody on the front lines either. So I think it's really just about finding where you fit in. For for example, for me, I was never going to be a good attorney after I realized what being an attorney was. I just wouldn't be good at Self-awareness it. Self-awareness right there, yep. Yeah, I wouldn't be good at it. Um, and so what, I, I wouldn't want to put that out in the world and just be a bad attorney. I want to be the best that I can be at the job that I want to do. And uh, that's that's really where it, where it lands for me. And it's, it's a powerful statement. So let's let's talk about leg up and the way you have the organization now. Um, how many how many folks you have uh, on staff full time? Um, what does the team look like? Yeah, so we um, we were founded in 2017. Uh, we're up to about 20 employees, a little over 20 employees. Um, but we have a global reach now. Um, we uh, we have over 300 coaches in our network uh, awesome. around the world. We're in 20 countries, um, speak 10 different languages. Uh, so we've got a wide breadth uh, of, of support. And I think what's what's really what's really interesting is we rolled out this product last year called Talent Insurance, and uh, you know we started we started with this conversation, Adam, about insurance, right, and sort of getting away from it, but it keeps drawing me back. Uh, it keeps drawing me back in. What's so, what you know, man? It's at your it's at your roots. Talent insurance. Let's break that down. So the idea is, um, every year, uh, as an employee, you get six executive coaching sessions with a top tier executive coach, plus assessments, plus learning materials, um, all within an app. Uh, and you you get it a year in and year out, and you get your coach, and you have your sort of support partner um, for, uh, for the next decade, if that's what you're looking for. Uh, and you can use them as you need them. Um, but it's year in and year out. It's not a one shot, hey, we'll give you this support for a few months because we think you need it. And then what we're seeing companies do now, certainly in the small and medium-sized business space, that under 250 space, under 500 uh, employees, is they cover everybody. So they come in and they say, we get it. We want to support our people in a different way. We want to help them with burnout. We want to help their careers. We want to help them be better leaders. Let's cover everybody. And so we found a way to make it affordable and insure it. Um, And then the last piece, which is really important to, to HR leaders, is that if people leave, we pay them a talent insurance payout. We actually pay them if somebody leaves. You go through our program. So you're paying the company for attrition. You're paying if someone leaves. We pay if somebody leaves. If you go through our program, we, we're we so good at it. We know that people are going to stay. Um, we have a customer, uh, just quick customer story, that um, is a real estate group. They've got about 2,500 employees. They had 44% turnover at the beginning of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they it was uncontrollable. It was costing them about four million dollars in turnover cost, yeah. and as a recruiter, Adam, you know, you know what the that co- looks the like. Co- the cost to rehire versus keep somebody is astronomical. Astronomical. So they came to yeah. us, and they said, "Look, we're only going to change this one thing. We're going to put in leg up for these folks in this particular um, group of employees." And they went from forty-four percent to zero in six months in terms wow. of turnover. Talk about and, talk about a success story there. And that was that was an indicator to us that. Um, we need to we need to double down on retention for employers and show them, 100%. look, you can do it. It's really it's not that hard. 
we have the tools, we have the process, we have the technology, we have the people to support it. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's where we, where we sort of introduce talent insurance and then this retention guarantee. Yeah. And it's, it's more than a perk. It's more than a perk. It's, it's, it's a benefit, right? I mean, it really is for both sides of the equation here. And you, and you said a buzzword that I think is more than a buzzword. It's, it's, it's burnout. And, you know, I think in this day and age, you know, it's since the pandemic and we're coming upon two years, which is crazy. It's lack of boundaries, right? Everyone's so excited to work from home. Everyone's excited to, you know, have this autonomy and freedom. But what it's doing is it really has, has eliminated, you know, all these boundaries that we had up once before. You know, it used to be in them, generally speaking, because obviously people work after hours and everything. But when you left work, you were done with work, right? Like maybe you check in here or there. But now it's like you're totally glued to your computer. You're with the kids. You're checking your phone. You're going back online afterwards. And, and we're always on. And that has led to burnout. What we thought, and I'd love to get your take on it, like, we, we thought that this would give us more freedom, which it does in a lot of physical ca- cases. But the burnout is because we're always expected to be on. We always have to answer. I mean, this is what's leading to it, right? And having to be on and I need to be performing and answering and being responsive and leading my team. I mean, it's crazy. What are you seeing on the front lines? Well, I think that's the general perspective out there, Adam. I think you nailed it. Um, but there's a different way to live. And if you can get your head around the fact that it's okay to have space for personal time, family time, um, it's okay to take vacations. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it's encouraged and supported. Please. And the studies all show um, that you're a better, more productive employee when you do have that personal space and those vacations are scheduled and you take them and actually turn off your computer. Um, yeah. I, I think it's really important. And so uh, if, if people are feeling that way and you're feeling burnt out and you're feeling overwhelmed, there is a path to not feel that way. You just have to, again, point the thumb, be accountable. Um, just because it's out there in the universe doesn't mean it has to be your daily behavior. And so that's, that's where leg up comes in is we support people with those types of conversations. How do you remain at an incredibly high productive level within your organization and not be on your phone after six o'clock with anything that has to do with work, right? Yeah. And that's has it okay internally? Yeah, yeah. You got to be okay with it. You got to be okay with uh, making sure you got time for your family, your friends, your life, your whatever your favorite Passions, hobbies. Is. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And so I mean, that's, that's healthy. That that's why, um, business and personal coaching exists. That's why men- preventative mental health is so important that we're all focused on absolutely. it and we understand it. And this is not gender specific. This is not, uh, age specific. Um, this is not generational. This is a human behavior uh, that we need to all clue into and say, it's okay to check in on myself. It's okay to make sure my mental health's okay, that I've got time for my family, that I've got time for activities with my friends. I love it. And, and, and Tom, I, I really hope that you do practice what you preach. And let's talk about, you know, how you build and, and, and lead your teams and, and apply the same logic. You know, what, what, when, you're, when you're interviewing, I mean, you've been on the other side of it, you know, your, your whole career, your whole life. What, what, what's your approach to interviewing? What are some of your go-to questions? I mean, how do you really suss out, you know, the big thing is like, you know, character. I mean, skill we could look at. We could look at someone's resume. We could see they've worked at certain places. We can ask them a couple of performance questions. But ultimately, you want to ensure that someone has that character. How do you assess that in a couple of interviews? How so, do you know to take that bet on that person? Well, well, you're 100% right. I, but you started with you got to look at that resume. The resume for me is is not the indicator of performance. It's the no. indicator of what they've done. Uh, Correct. But if you've been a Starbucks barista for ten years and you've got a great attitude and a great work ethic and a and a good soul, we can teach you how to do anything. 
Um, mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't really, the resume for me isn't the start and stop. Um, for me, it really is, yeah, if we're looking for a marketing person, I'm gonna look for some background in marketing, fair enough, right? But the character is what I'm looking for. So when I get on that first interview, I'm really looking to, number one, make sure that they can explain what they've done in their career. Just the basics. Let's start with the basics. Mm -hmm. Explain what you've done. I always ask what you're it's most proud of. Career. What are you most mm -hmm. proud of in your career? What what really makes you feel proud about your accomplishments? Um, and I'll give you my one my one question that I ask. I have asked every single interviewee uh, for Please. the last fifteen years, um, and it is it's it's a beauty, and it will it will tell you so much about a person. And the question goes like this. In a couple of months, when you're on the team, what are we all going to learn about you that we wouldn't know right now? So in a couple of months, when you're on the team, we're all going to get to know you and we're going to learn something about you. But what is it? And, and tell us now so that we can understand who you are as a person. And I'll give you, I'll give you the right answer and I'll give you the wrong answer. How's that? that is, let's pause on that for a second there. That's that's a big one. I mean, I would take a deep breath and be like, oh, fuck, she's got to answer this one. Okay, so what's what's the wrong answer? Well, the wrong answer is I'm really good at marketing. I'm a great marketer. Um, I really love marketing. Um, I do marketing. That's the wrong answer, right? To me, that, and, and it's not it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just you're not, you're showing me that you're not self-aware enough and you're not deep enough to make real connections with people and that's not going to work on our team, right? The people I have are deep, they're thoughtful, they're mm -hmm. they're hardworking, they're kind, and and they want real relationships with other people. And that answer is not going to fit in. So um, what does that good answer sound like? Well, the the good answer I'll, I'll give you my favorite one. Um, and this young man had no experience. Um, uh, he was a couple years out of college, and he was going for sort of a customer success role. Mm -hmm. And, and he said, uh, you know, on, on the weekends I ride horses. Um, I'm, I'm actually a cowboy. Uh, I wear the cowboy hat. I wear the, the jeans and the boots, yep. uh, on the weekends. And every Saturday I help disabled children, uh, get on horseback and I help them learn how to ride and it makes them feel free. And I do that every weekend because I want to give back to my community. At the, he, he couldn't even stop at the end of the sentence before I asked him, when do you want to start? Yeah. It should, it talked about his character. It talked about it so, so much. I, I, I love it. That's, I didn't need anything else. One. I didn't need anything else. I had already talked to him for 20 minutes. I laid my question into him. I said, look, we've interviewed, you know, 15 people for this job. I think you're terrific. When do you want to start? That's a big one. No, that's that's tremendous. And I want everyone to take notes on that, right? It's it's asking the right questions and not leaving them so open ended that someone could just go on a on a monologue and, and tell you what you think, you know, they, they want you to hear. So let's 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 uh let's wrap it up here. I um you're you're in the process. I don't know if it's launched. We did some research, I couldn't find it. Talk to us about the talent empowerment podcast. What's what's your goal for this show? Who are you gonna be talking to? Who is it for? Yeah, the Talent Empowerment Podcast launches uh, February tenth, twenty twenty two. Our first couple, our couple of uh, guests are um, just fantastic in the HR space. Um, the goal is uh, is really to lift up the HR leaders, the people leaders, those around the world that are really doing great things for their organization and creating change. To lift up those stories 
and provide them to other leaders and organizations so that they can create even further change. And so the podcast is the Talent Empowerment Podcast, and uh, it's it's coming very, very soon. So soon, almost like tomorrow. Almost like tomorrow. Almost like tomorrow. And I wish you tons of luck on that. Um, I I know personally firsthand that podcasting ain't easy, but as long as you remember, Tom, always keep your audience in mind. It's not about you as a host. It's about the audience. You will be successful in that. So let's bring it home here. Tom, real quick, what does the word authentic mean to you? Oh, it's being true to yourself. Uh, Be true to yourself. Be who you are. Um, Understand that uh, you don't need to be somebody else. Just be the best version of yourself. I love it. And what is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day? Your reputation will withstand the test of time and how you treat people will determine your reputation and you can't change it. So make sure that you are focused on treating people the right way. 100%. I I totally live by that. And last but not least, you know, you, you look back on your life and you look back on those tough, challenging times. You look back you know, six, seven years ago, your son is two, divorced, single dad, and you're about to go all in on this dream and follow your passion. And you had to dig down deep inside, Tom. You had to harness that inner tenacity to drive yourself forward. What did you look to? What pulled you up? What do you look to for gratitude now that you're in this position of success and helping other people? Tom Finn, what is your compass in life? What is your North Star? My North Star is creating change in the world. And finding a way to help others. And so it, it took me a while to figure that out. And so uh, for me, I know that if I'm always walking down that path, good things are going to mm-hmm. happen. And there are going to be massive challenges, speed bumps. Um, there are going to be rocks thrown at you along the way. But if you just keep going, uh, you'll get this figured out. And that's what I tell myself all the time uh, on the good days and certainly on the days that are a little bit more challenging as well. I love it. Tom Finn, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I want everyone to check out legup.com. Uh, where else can folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Where could they learn more? Yeah, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, that's uh, probably the easiest way to find me. I'm pretty easy to find Tom Finn Leg Up, L E G G U P. If you want to find me on Twitter, uh, Tom Finn Leg Up also. Uh, or if you want to go to talentempowerment.com uh, to learn more about the podcast, you can do that or uh, subscribe wherever you're listening. Good stuff, Tom. Hang with me for one moment here as I sign off. Thanks so much for joining me today. Great chat. Hey, thanks, Adam. Awesome. Good stuff. And everyone out there, listen, I mean, if you love this show, I mean, if you have any questions, you know what? Shoot me an email. I haven't done this in a long time. Shoot me an email, adam at nhptalentgroup.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know your thoughts on this episode, any other episodes. Let's just connect and chat. I'd love to get some more feedback from everyone out there. Remember, you can follow us in all the social media channels. You know where to find more at thepodcast.com. Remember, Take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon. Jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search the podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.